This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Apple is a company known for its visionary leaders, like Steve Jobs or Johnny Ive. But there's another powerful executive you've probably never heard of, Tony Blevins. They call him the Blevinator. Trip Mickle covers Apple, and he's been following the story of Tony Blevins. Tony has a reputation for just loving the negotiation. One of his employees said that he wore a puka shell necklace, this kind of like tourist trinket that he Hmm. bought while he was in Hawaii. And part of the reason he wore it was because he pridefully negotiated the price down from about $5 to $2. It was like an outward expression of like, hey, this is what's important to me and a reminder to his staff, you know, there is nothing that you should ever pay full price for. Tony Blevins is the guy Apple turns to to haggle on prices of everything from computer chips to iPhone screens. And lately, his job has never been more important. Today on the show, the rise of Tony Blevins and what it says about the evolution of the world's biggest tech company. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, January 30th. A year ago, Apple looked to be headed for a slump. The company said iPhone sales had fallen 15% compared to a year earlier. Apple just hit a huge roadblock, and that was people weren't buying iPhones in the same way as they had in the past. What we've seen with the iPhone is that people are holding on to them longer because they're more durable. They've become so sophisticated that the improvements from one generation to the next feel more incremental. So you don't feel as compelled to go out and get a new iPhone as you once did. Not only were iPhone sales slowing down, it was also costing Apple a lot more to make the device. The new features that Apple is adding to the iPhone are more expensive. And Apple is at a ceiling in terms of what it can charge in price, right? Mm -hmm, Because consumers aren't willing to pay much more than $1,000 for a phone. Even that is too much for many people. Exactly. They're running up against challenges getting customers to spend more than $1,000. So if new features are pricier and customers won't pay more, that has the potential to cut into Apple's profitability on the iPhone. Since Apple can't charge consumers more for the iPhone, and the iPhone itself is getting more expensive to make, The pressure to manage costs is ramping up for Apple's operations team. Apple's always been an operations juggernaut. I mean, that's one of the things that Tim Cook brought to the company. But right now, that whole operations effort there is becoming more pronounced, especially as they try to make sure that they get as much profit out of the iPhone going forward as they can. You know, investors are scrutinizing Apple's margins. And if if there is a dip in Apple's margins, there could be a, a big dip in Apple's stock. And there's a direct connection between the two. And so you really can't give an inch. 
And at the center of this strategy is the man with the puka shell necklace, Tony Blevins. His job at Apple, badgering suppliers to keep costs down. Blevins has been honing his cost-cutting techniques since he joined the company about two decades ago. He arrived at Apple about two years after Tim Cook. Uh, Tim Cook arrived in 1998. Tony Blevins followed shortly thereafter, around 2000. And what was his job at Apple at the time? Tony started in what's called corporate procurement, and that means buying a lot of the ordinary products for the company, like toilet paper. Hmm, toilet paper. And what was he like in this role in procurement? What kind of reputation did he earn for himself? You know, he had a bag of tactics that he would pull out and deploy to try to get the lowest price possible or the best terms possible. In the midst of a negotiation with UPS, he sent a a rejection of, of a UPS proposed contract back to UPS in a FedEx envelope, basically saying to them, hey, I can always go with your rival. And so these sorts of tactics basically helped him work his way up at the company? Right. Internally at Apple, they they had turned Tony's name into a verb. I mean, they said, go Blevins that. And that meant essentially get it done fast, get it done right, and get it done to our favor. I mean, Tony landed at Apple at kind of the perfect time. He went from doing corporate procurement to getting put on the iPod business. Then they launched the iPhone. And so he was literally smack dab in the middle of the launch of the most important product, arguably, in business history. And he used his negotiating power to ensure that Apple made that product incredibly, incredibly lucrative for the company. From the beginning, the iPhone has been incredibly lucrative for Apple. Not only did it sell like crazy, it also sold at a much higher price than it cost to make. In 2014, operating profit margin on the iPhone was 37%. And as the phones have gotten more complicated and expensive to produce in recent years, Blevins and the operations team have worked hard to cut costs. One go-to maneuver is playing suppliers off each other. The iPhone has like a thousand parts. So there are a lot of pieces that go into these very sophisticated devices. And one of the things Tony would do is often he'd be meeting with one supplier And he'd arranged to have that supplier's rival in the lobby of Apple's headquarters so that when he or a staff member walked out with one supplier, they would see their rival essentially coming in to meet with Tony as kind of like a reminder, like, oh, yeah, we we have an alternative. So if you don't give us what we want, we can go with the other guy. And that reminder about the other guy is not an empty threat. Take, for example, ST Microelectronics, the supplier Apple was working with in 2013. And when it came time to negotiate with ST Microelectronics, which was a provider of the gyroscope inside every iPhone that helps the phone screen kind of know which way you're turning the device, Tony let ST Micro know that they needed to lower their price. When ST Micro didn't budge, Tony turned and shifted the business to a rival. ST Micro wound up losing about $150 million in sales. So they thought that they could play hardball back to Tony Blevins, and he wasn't bluffing, and he did take the business elsewhere. Yeah, they went toe-to-toe with Tony Blevins, and they lost. ST Microelectronics didn't respond to a request for comment. We should also say that Blevins declined our request for an interview, saying he didn't have Apple's permission. 
ST Microelectronics lost an estimated $150 million after losing out to Blevins. And Blevins has taken these kinds of fights even further with other companies, putting billions of dollars at stake. That's coming up. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by KPMG. The people at KPMG make the difference for their clients. Talented teams leveraging the right technology to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity. KPMG teams together with their clients, working shoulder to shoulder to help grow and transform their enterprise. Are you ready to make the difference together? Go to visit.kpmg.us backslash transformation to learn more. Welcome back. As costs were rising on the iPhone, Apple looked everywhere it could to cut expenses. For years, Apple had been paying a fee to a telecom giant called Qualcomm to license chip technology used inside the iPhone. Apple wanted to pay less, but Qualcomm wouldn't budge. And so Tony Blevins hatched a strategy inside Apple that they called Project Antique. As part of Project Antique, Apple shifted some of its iPhone business away from Qualcomm. Then, Apple sued Qualcomm, saying the company's licensing fees were too high. And so Blevins was dispatched to apply even more pressure. Right after filing the lawsuit, Tony went to Taipei, Taiwan, and brought together the companies that make Apple's phones. These companies were paying Qualcomm the licensing fees that Apple owed. Apple was paying the companies, they were paying Qualcomm. Tony said, we're going to stop paying you. So you do what you want. If you want to pay Qualcomm, fine. But basically the message was, stop paying Qualcomm. And over the course of the next two years, Qualcomm said about $8 billion in payments were withheld. A huge amount of money. And Qualcomm's stock tumbled considerably. And then, you know, it cut back on its research and development work. It was in really kind of against the ropes uh, in this legal battle and was really being weakened by Apple's practices. Qualcomm and Apple reached a settlement in April of 2019, and Apple had to pay Qualcomm billions of dollars. But the fight damaged Qualcomm, too. At one point, Qualcomm's stock lost roughly a quarter of its value, and the company had to lay off employees. The episode laid bare just how big of a fight Apple was willing to pick to try and protect what could amount to a few more dollars of profit on every iPhone. You know, we're accustomed to hearing about code names at Apple when it comes to developing new products. I think it's fascinating that Apple has code names for strategies of how it's going to pay less for the parts in its existing products, right? I mean, that tells you how important controlling costs are at this company. I mean, they hatched a strategy, a blueprint, in order to try to pay less on a key component in the iPhone. 
But Apple isn't just devising strategies to get suppliers to charge less. Sometimes the company will also cut suppliers out entirely. Tony has become the face for a lot of these suppliers of an ongoing effort inside Apple to make and design more of its own chips. Rather than buy it from somebody else, it is more often designing those chips itself and then going straight to a factory and having them made. And that's cheaper for Apple. Take, for example, Imagination Technologies. Imagination was providing graphic processor units, which essentially help with the animation and the video interactivity that we see on smartphones. And what ended up happening with Imagination Technologies? Eventually, Apple begins making those chips that it once relied on Imagination for. And Tony goes to sit down with the leadership at Imagination and says, you know what? We don't think we need to pay you for the technology we've relied on in the past anymore. Going forward, we're going to have our own technology that is independent of what we've needed from you. When news broke about Apple's plan, Imagination Technologies' share price dropped by 70%, which nearly put the company out of business. Imagination Technologies declined to comment. All these tactics, you know, like playing suppliers off each other, taking technology in-house, it all sounds very aggressive. Certainly are aggressive. Someone who worked at Apple with Tony said that his job was to Viking a town and get every resource out of it. Wow. Is there a risk, though, that Apple takes this too far? I mean, that they'll either kill suppliers, which will maybe make suppliers not want to work with Apple in the future, or they'll squeeze them so hard that it'll limit those suppliers' ability to innovate on new technologies? If you talk to some people in the supply chain, they'll tell you that the risk for Apple in implementing this strategy is if at any point there's weakness or a slowdown in its business and it, it's not as strong as it once was, then there's the risk of retribution from suppliers, of suppliers finding themselves with the dominant position at the negotiating table and taking advantage of that. The one thing that you can look back historically at here is when other phone companies saw their margins decline, it signaled the end of their dominance. So Nokia, Motorola, BlackBerry, when you saw their margins begin to erode a little bit, it was kind of the beginning of the end. But signs of a similar fate don't seem to be materializing for Apple. Earlier this week, the company reported earnings that showed Apple had made it past its iPhone slump, posting record revenue. Some of that was due to growth in services like Apple TV and Apple Pay, but sales of iPhones were also up, with help from a $50 price cut. Even with that price cut, Apple's margins are still the highest in the industry. What do you think it says about Apple that, you know, a company with this iconic founder and innovator in Steve Jobs that now you are focusing on and people are talking about Tony Blevins, this cost-cutting expert. Apple was always in the mind of the public connected to these visionary leaders like Steve Jobs and increasingly the people at the at the forefront of the company are Tim Cook and Tony Blevins. I mean these are people out of the operations side of the of, of the company. 
you know, this company was once defined by being the kind of small, scrappy upstart that was vying against IBM to be the leading technology company in America. And it, and it prided itself on that. And over time, it's actually kind of become the big, giant company. It's kind of become the IBM of today. And just as like product excellence defined it years ago, operational excellence increasingly defines it today. That's all for today, Thursday, January 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.